we thought putting this thing up on YouTube and we thought putting this thing on uh, Facebook and stuff so people chugging in a couple weeks ago I shared a message and right after the message we had over 275 hits later on a couple days later it was 400 and something and I was going to have Lord people listening to us so if you got some friends remind them that we're now on Facebook live and YouTube and I want to thank you for being here today we're looking at this morning this series on maximum impact say this with me set your house in order the most maximum thing any of us will ever do is when we come to the end and realize that we only have one life and we got only one so we need in 2020 to maximize our time in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for blessing the word today. I pray that it will go forth and that it will minister to people. And at the end of this message, by the time we get to the end, God, people will be convicted, people will be convinced, and people will move. Because faith is for now. It's not for tomorrow. You may not even be here tomorrow, but tomorrow is not promised. But then now, they might be able to move, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. And I thank you for helping my weaknesses. And I give you the praise in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. 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 You're a chosen generation of royal priesthood. You never forget that. You can be seated. Our confession here at Zion is this. We're going to put it on the board. I love my Bible, so I say my confessions all the time. It just helps me remember who I am. And some of you listening may not know who you are. You may not know who God said you are. But you know if you have the Bible, and I'm not talking about that little thing that comes out in all the electronic modes, that's fine. But you can't lay your head on there and sleep at night. You can't go to bed praying beside your bed with your arms in the fold and your, your head falling to it like mine do sometimes. You can't take it necessarily to your favorite room in the house. I won't tell you where that is, in the prayer closet or the bathroom. But the Bible, you can. And you can find comfort in it. Amen? So if they put up on the board this morning, say, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I believe what it says I have. I believe what it says I can do. Therefore, according to God's holy word, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord to prosper in all that I do. I declare in my life that today my God is able to make all grace abound toward me that I may always have an all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work in Jesus name for we walk by faith not by sight give God some praise in Jesus name I stand here this morning because of the confession of my faith I've been for the last three and a half three years dealing with prostate disease and metastasized prostate disease Look up on the internet. I have 30% chance of living right now, but I'm here. I should have been gone. I've been through radiation, chemotherapy. I've been through immunotherapy. I've been through T-cell splices into my body, in my bone marrow. And I'm still here in Jesus' name. Had bladder disease and had to take my bladder and cut it open. I'm still here. Sir. I'm amazed that the people won't come to church on Sunday morning or come to church on Wednesday night or come to church on, 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 on days to fellowship. When you still have a good life and you have your health, but let me tell you what Hebrews 9.27 says. It is appointed unto man once to live. And after that, you will face judgment. Look at any Bible you want to, any translation you want to. You have one shot. You have one shot. So in this year, which I believe is a year of maximum impact, God's going to do everything in a, a
abundance this year in a mighty way this year, you better get ready because there's coming some challenges like you've never had before in your life. You think 2019 was rough? My son been warning about that, talking about that at the end of the year. But you haven't seen nothing yet because at the day the Lord approaches, the Bible says, even if it possible, look around in all the churches on this island. Look around in all the churches in the world. Look around at the young pastors that were appointed in the last three or four years, the young pastors, and see how many people are falling away. God says before he comes to get his church, that's going to be a great falling away called apostasy. When was the last time you heard anybody preach a message about real God and real hell and real Dave, real devil? You're not going to hear it on the internet. You're not going to hear nothing about a real enemy. But you have a real enemy out there. And this is what God tells us that we need to remember. It's because of lack of knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. His people perish. It's lack of knowledge that we're in the shape that we're in. It's lack of knowledge that our families are in the shape that we're in. It's lack of knowledge that our society is in the shape that we're in. It's lack of knowledge that we have spiritual weaknesses in our church and we're trying to scramble to figure out who we are and what we're supposed to do. But this is not a problem that is not coming to scripture. This is not a problem that is not coming to men. It's coming from, from the beginning of Genesis to the end of the book of Revelation for people to have doubts and people to have fears and for people to have problems. In fact, let me just tell you in case you're one of those, you know, once you got saved Christians, everything's going to be fine in your life. Somebody lied to you. Once you got saved, everything's going to be great now and everything's going to be great now. You're never going to have no problems. Somebody lied to you. Jesus Christ died on the cross making salvation free, but it was costing God everything. And for you to live a godly life, which is the first series of messages Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 5, we call them the Beatitudes. He says, you might as well realize that people are going to envy you and call you blessed, but at the same time they're going to be hating you at the same time. Because he says, everybody that desires to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Persecution. Everybody say persecution. Those are those words like tithes and offerings we don't want to talk about. Well, anyway, uh, those are words like faithfulness and commitment that we don't want to talk about. Those are words like sacrifice. God says if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to come to a point where you're willing to suffer some persecution. Turn with me in your Bibles to first, excuse me, second, second Kings chapter 20. Now, we could be going to Second Chronicles and find the same thing, or we could be going to Isaiah chapter 9 through and 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 8 of Isaiah and get references to this because what we're talking about here is one of the greatest Christian, uh, not Christian, Jewish leaders in the Bible. One of the greatest kings to ever come from the lineage of David. His name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was not just an ordinary person. He Hezekiah well, actually, the son of Ahaz, the, you know, whose wife was a witch, old Jezebel. It, it's funny, to me at least, it's funny to me when you look at the, the fact that in, 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 the, in the Old Testament, uh, after King Solomon died and Rehoboam and Jeroboam split the kingdom, they went into two different directions. They had what's called the Northern King, Kingdom, which was really called Israel throughout the Old Testament. It was called Israel, and it made up of the ten tribes, and it existed in 722 when the Assyrians under Seneca's came in, and, 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 and he basically assimilated the people in 722. And the northern kingdom, which we call Judah, 
was basically one tribe. Judah and Benjamin alone made up what was called the Judeans, the Judeans. Uh, they, they became the southern kingdom. It was two tribes. They had 12 kings and all from the same family lineage of Jesus. Where the northern kingdom had 15 kings and all from different lineages. Any wonder that the Jewish people hated the Samaritans? Any wonder that during the days of Jesus they didn't want to deal with those people? Because there was so much intermingling and intermarriaging among the different nations around that when you looked at them you couldn't tell that they were Jewish. When you talked to them you couldn't tell that they were Jewish. The feast days and cultural days and, and the habits were all heathenistic according to the Jewish people in Jesus' day. So they were avoided. But it started hundreds of years before. And thank God for Isaiah because Isaiah, though he was a despised prophet, most of the people don't even realize that. Isaiah was one of the most despised prophets in the Bible. Because you're going to talk about things like a virgin going to conceive and have a child and the name going to be called Almighty God. And who told you to say that? You're going to go tell the king that, look, you might think that this, this uh, uh, Babylonian invasion is just going to be for a minute and you're going to get away. But God has already told me we're going to go into exile for 70 years and you're not coming out. Isaiah had Hezekiah, the disciple, to speak into his life. And Hezekiah, even though his father was one of the most wicked kings in the world, he still was from the lineage of Jesus. And he's still listed in the lineage of Jesus. And though his son Manassas was going to be a mess, Hezekiah began to reign at 25 years old. And the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and he honored his father, David. He didn't say his father was Abraham, father was David, according to the Bible. Because God looked past the mess. Let me tell you, everybody in here, your dad could have been an alcoholic, could abuse you, your mom could have been a prostitute walking the street. Do you know that the curses of the father does not come down on the curse of the next generation? It skips the next generation. It goes to the second and third generation. Look it up in the Bible. Look it up. Don't say, write this thing down. Look it up. The curses of the father always skip the next generation. So that next generation don't have any excuse for saying, I'm just like my daddy. You just like your daddy because you chose to be. You did not have to be. You did not have to be. God always leave a way out. His way out for you. His way out for me. What that we have the ability to choose what we're going to become. Now help my son Josh because my daddy's curses went down to his generation. But Josh got a son named AJ, Adam James. He don't have any excuse to be like his daddy. He can do what he wants to do. Every one of you sitting in here, stop blaming your parents or your past. You chose your past. You decided. And I could definitely have been an alcoholic if I want to like most of my brothers. By the way, I had seven other. Got Two that's still alive. Rest them with Jesus. But most of the ones who were with Jesus went just like my daddy, drunk as could be. Drunk as could be. But I chose not to. I got one brother that went with Jesus that was a minister. The rest of them was drunk as they could be. Oh, my daddy, just like my daddy. How come me and Walter didn't choose to become alcoholics? How come we didn't choose to drink? How come we didn't choose to get married and step in out the yard and have several wives and families all over the place? How come we didn't choose to do that? Thank God for my lovely wife. Give her a hand in Jesus' name. She helped keep me straight. 
My sweetheart, I call her. 18 years old, 17 years old, fell in love with her. Couldn't get my eyes off her. All through our last year of high school, I'm looking through the benches and all kinds of stuff. On the last day, on graduation day from our school, she actually told me I could come and visit her at her house and date her the last day of school after all those years of running around. Anyway, God kept me straight, and I made some good choices. I joined the military because I couldn't get an education any other way. I decided I'd go to the military. After four years, I had my bachelor's degree. I made that up as an 18-year-old. I'm going to the military after four years. I'm not getting tattoos and all that stuff. I'm going in to get an education. Hello. Choices I made. Choices I made. My wife and I walked out of, out of the military, walked right into graduate school. Back in 1979, there was only 5000 like $5,900 a piece. But we walked right into the graduate program. Choices we made. Graduated from that school in a year. In about six months of deportation, six months, February 4th, 1981, we're back in Okinawa starting our church ministry that have continued since February 4th, 1981. Somebody give God some praise. <laughs> Choices. Choices we've made. Why am I telling you that? I remember when my daughter was born, Jamie. I remember saying to my wife, she would be smarter. Listen to me. She would be smarter. She would go to some of the best schools in the country. I remember telling my wife, when my daughter was still in the womb, she would be smarter than most kids. She would have an excellent spirit. Her name is Pure Water Girl, Jamie Yoshiko. My son, before he was born, and the doctors told her, told my wife, I don't think the baby's moving. I think the baby is dead. I said, you're lying. My son's name is Joshua. The Lord was saved. That's what his name means. And for months, we had to believe God that he would live. And when he was still born, we still call them in the being in Jesus' name. You just got to hear him singing this morning. Somebody give God some praise. Born to sing. Born to pray. Born to worship. Born to give God praise. Why am I going through all of this? Because I need you to understand something about me. In 1995, I lost the only job that I had after I got out of the military. Me and my wife had started a church. Okay, it's over there in Yomitan. We started a church. For 15 years, we pastored that church. And I was forced out of that church by people that I had trained up with lies. And I had a family in the Philippines because I had built six churches in the Philippines. Six. We had a ministry started in the Philippines. Still there. Zion Pastors Association. Did one of the biggest conferences I ever did in 2017 in Leyte in the Philippines. Over 6,000 people, over 3,000 gave their life to Jesus. But somebody started to lie that I had a family in the Philippines. And I was forced out of a move in 1995. June of 1995, I went one Sunday that I didn't preach. And me and my wife got in the car and we drove up north with tears in my eyes saying, God, you called me to preach. The next Sunday, we had a building, which is around the corner over there. Around the corner. It's got a barber shop in it now. Okay, It's part of the, the little L-shaped building where Capitol Steakhouse is in. The next Sunday, we had a, a, a service. We had 24 people counting the kids and everything. People sitting on the floor. In about three weeks, we had a bunch of chairs that we had bought from Kadena DMO sale, and we painted them white and silver, and people would come and sit in the chairs, and they'd get up on Sunday and have white and silver paint on their pants, and we had to apologize. I'm telling you, honestly, God, too, people. And for six months, I cried and preached from the book of Job. I said, Lord, why? And God delivered me from that. And within a year, year and a half, the same organization that asked us to go came and asked us to come back. Please come back and help them. 
please come back and help me because our little church in Okinawa had an annual budget bigger than the mission budget of the whole organization that I used to work with in a year and a half. And for 16 years we paid $3.3 million in rent for that building right around the corner. $30,000 a month for 16 years. And those who come in on Wednesday night in the back of that little study on the miracles of John, in the back of that book, there's a little testimony on how I met Miles Monroe in 2005. And Miles Monroe told me, stop praying for me and then become one. Listen, in less than five years, we owned, we owned this building, $1.6 million. Somebody give God some praise. In less than five years, we owned this building. People, I believe God. But the reason I told you this is because I remember. Man, my kids were watching The Lion King at the house the other day, and Simba came on. Remember who you are. You know what your problem is, Simba? You have forgotten who you are. Let me encourage everyone in here to remember. Remember when you got married. Remember when you met Jesus. Remember when you had that baby and nobody thought it was going to happen. Remember when the marriage started going south and you still prayed. Remember when the kids was over and you said, Lord, these can't be my kids. These are demons. But listen, remember those things because your life consists of memories. Amen. Amen. My mom passed away two years ago in December. I was home for Thanksgiving Day. I was given to get on a plane that day. She looked at me and she said, son, I love you. You have a wife and kids and I'm going to go back home, take care of your wife and kids. I'm 90 years old. I've already died once and if I die again, don't bring me back. My mom looked at me and said, go home. You did all you can for me. I said, well, mom, I love you. I don't want to go home, son. I'll see you again. Those are the last words my mom said to me, alive. But I remember them. And they bring so much comfort to my heart. Because she was saying, son, I love you. You've done all you can. 90 years old, she don't have to be Jesus. I thank God for the memories. I won't dare for my father die. I won't dare if my oldest brother died, older sister died, middle sister died. My sister next to my sister now, I happened to be in the States. I landed on the ground, me and my wife, for vacation. And she died. We went all the way from North Carolina to Washington, D.C., and I was there holding her hand when she slipped out of here. I got memories, people. I got memories. The beginning of last year, after dealing with prostate disease for two years, I got septic. And my brother, he had to come preach one Sunday. He didn't know what he was going to do. And I'm sitting over there at the dining, I'm sitting over there at my breakfast table. And literally passed out. I just <laughs> passed out. Ambulance woke up in the ambulance, and that began a series of things that for the next seven months that kept me in the hospital until November of this past year. And we'll speak about that again because as we look at these scriptures, I want to bring them to where you realize that God is saying to you, and He's not saying it tomorrow. He's not saying it tomorrow. Let me let me just point at you. He's saying it today. Some of us have been through some things. Some of us had had chest cracked open in here. Some of us had cameras down our intestines and all kinds of stuff. But listen to me. You need to hear this today. You better make sure that your house is set in order. I know you plan on going back home today, but accidents happen every day. You know what we're talking about, the coronavirus? 
and how a thousand people died in China? Do you know why we're talking about the coronavirus in the United States of America this year? 14,000 people have died of the common flu. This year, 14,000. It is one of the most devastating years for the common flu since 2009, and we're not even talking about it. 14,000 Americans have died of the flu while we've been talking about the coronavirus. 50,000 Americans killed on the highways every year in car accidents. We don't even talk about it. But we got 1,000 people sick in China. China has a billion people, people. A billion. You know how much 1,000 people is compared to a billion? You know how much 47,000 is compared to a billion? Of course you don't. It's not a drop in the bucket. And as soon as the thing is taken care of, they're going to walk right past Corona like they did SARS. It ain't going to be nothing but a blip on the history of China. We got to get things in perspective. Now watch this. What if you was one of the ones who died? It would matter a lot more to you, huh? Or one of the ones who's on that ship outside of Japan right now. What, 400 and something people on that? Out of 1,600. Oh, your chances of getting sick is pretty good. You want to get off that ship. Look, I told somebody I'd be jumping. I'd be trying to figure out. I'd, be, I'd tie myself to the mast. I wouldn't be inside of that place. Because as long as you're inside that ship, you know you got a greater one out of three, one out of four chance of getting sick. See, it matters because of the conditions of where you're at. Let's look at King Hezekiah. Because right here, he's at his pinnacle, but he had did something real foolish that had caused him to get sick. Everybody say, get sick. Most of the time we get sick is because we've done something foolish. King Hezekiah had a problem. His problem was he was good. He was very, very good. And he knew it. Because the blessings of the Lord was upon him. Gold and silver was everywhere. Everything he touched, he like had the mightiest touch. And when you had the mightiest touch, and you don't have a lot of people to calm you down, your wife to calm you down, a church member to calm you down, a circumstance to calm you down, you can start thinking, it's all about you. And so God sent Isaiah to kill King Hezekiah because what they were doing was, to be honest, they were kind of laughing at the fact that the Assyrians had assimilated the southern kingdom. With all the prophets that God sent them, with all the warnings that God sent them, the, the southern kingdom had became assimilated in 722. The, Assyrian, the, the, the king of Syria just walked in there and, and segregated them and took the kings and the king line and made vessels out of them. I won't go into a lot of detail on that, but that happened in Okinawa, Japan, by the way, in the 1850s when Satsuma came down and took over the show dynasty in Okinawa. They took the king of Okinawa back to mainland. And they made him a eunuch. You used to put it like that. Everybody understand what I just said? And they made him a eunuch and they sent him back over here. And the great show dynasties never, never recovered. For those who know Okinawa history, by the way, I got a bachelor's degree in Okinawa history in case you're wondering. I do know what I'm talking about. King Shoshin, they took him to the mainland. He came back a eunuch. After that, the battle stopped. Hey, hey, I'm not going to bother anybody. Listen, people. In the Bible, that's what happened when kings were taken off into captivity. They made eunuchs out of them. Some of y'all watched those crazy show called the Game, of, the, the Game, Game of Thrones, and that would happen to kings there on that on that movie. Come out, have a chain around their neck, doing all kinds of stuff because they were being humiliated, so that the people 
would follow the new king. Well, Hezekiah had avoided all of that, but he was kind of laughing at the fact that that was what was happening to the kings of the southern kingdom. They were now being assimilated. And so God allowed sickness. Everybody say God allowed. God allowed sickness to come on his body. He began to get boars, and they were just little small boars at first. In Chronicles, they were just little, oh, that's a, that's a scratch on your skin. I went to a pastor's meeting this past Wednesday, and I'm sitting in a pastor's meeting. There's about 12 pastors there, and they put me at a table, and at the table there were three other pastors. And as soon as I sat down, Pastor Kennedy, who I love dearly, put his hand on me and started praying for me. He said, Bishop, I haven't seen you in a couple months. I know you was in the hospital getting an operation. He says, Bishop, I have cancer. And he got these red spots on his nose and spots on his head. Melanoma came back. And the pastor sat in beside me, Pastor Brian, as you know. He said, Bishop, you know I have prostate disease just like you do because we're all over. We're all in our 60s now. Okay? If you're over 50 here, get checked for prostate disease because you have it. 50% of men over 50 have it. He says, Bishop, you know I have prostate disease just like you and I've gone through this stuff. But he says, something that people don't know. He said, I also have sickle cell anemia that come back. And people don't know because sickle cell anemia is primarily a minority disease. But somewhere in his family line, he got sickle cell traits. And it came back. He said, pray for me. I said, thank you, Jesus. And then a new pastor that just came to Okinawa, a new chaplain up, at, up north, he sat there beside us and he pulled out both of his arms and his arms got like baby red skin on it. He's being treated right now for melanoma in both arms. And we all sitting around that table going, <laughs> we're old. Yeah, we're all Jesus, we're all, we're all 60, around 60 years old. And then it hit us by the grace of God. We're still in the ministry. We're still preaching. We're still talking about Jesus. We're still doing what God called us to do. Somebody give God some praise for that because they ain't letting the devil stop us. Hezekiah. Let's read it real quick. Verse 1 through 11. Hezekiah. 2 Kings 20, verse 1 through 11. Read it with me in your Bibles. And I'm reading from the New King James. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus said the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. King James says, you shall surely die and not live. I want you to know that this is not a, a, a thing that maybe God's going to do it. God's going to do it. You shall die and not live. And he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord. Everybody say, remember. You thought I was just remembering about all the things that I had been through in my life, didn't you? I was remembering. Can you remember when you got saved? Can you remember what it was like before you got saved? Can you remember before God answered your first prayer? Can you remember when God did answer your prayer? Can you remember how the baby's still here? Can you remember how the home is still together? Can you remember the bills that got paid? Can you remember the car that used to break down and used to get out and you tried to push it up the hill? Can you remember not having the money for the food or going to school or paying for your child? Can you remember? Because King Hezekiah remembered. Everybody say remember. He says, then I remembered now, O Lord. I pray I have walked before thee in truth and with a loyal heart. And I have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. That's, a, that's some things that going to happen in your life that's going to bring you to tears. Right, let, me, let me just share that with you. There's some things that going to happen 
in your life. I was at the hospital one time, and a couple was having a baby. That's when I met Brother Henson, and they had this child, and the baby came out with a long head and cross-eyed and mental disease. He had mental problems. And I was there with the couple holding their hand when the doctor gave him the news, this child has an enormous head and part of his brain is not developed. And they literally expected the child to die in a couple of weeks. That child lived for two years. Two years. And I'm holding the hand. And I remember the father seeing the baby and rejecting it. The father was pushing him. That's not my child. That's not my baby. And he got so they had to call the SPs. They put him in handcuffs. And he was fighting with all he had because he didn't want that ugly baby. He didn't want his child born. Retarded. And I remember the pain. But let me be honest with you. I had two beautifully born babies. I had a beautiful baby girl that was beautiful. I had a beautiful baby boy that was beautiful. And I could not relate to his pain. Joshua did a good job up here last week telling about how if somebody's sick, don't just go somewhere. The Lord going to bless you. You can do all things through Christ. But take him to the scripture where God says, I will walk with you and I will comfort you and I will be with you in times of sickness. Take him to those scriptures. Because those are a lot more confident than saying you can do all things through Christ. Not when you're laying on your back and all the air is knocked out of you and you're looking at a baby whose eyes are crossed and head is too long and they tell you going to die in a couple of weeks. And it's bone of your bone and flesh is your flesh. That's some agony. And I would look at King Hezekiah and this is a man who had walked with God for 40 years. He was at the end of his ministry. He had a great reign. He had taken down all the groves and high places. He had reestablished the, the worship in the temple. He had reestablished paying for the priests so the priests didn't have to work. He had given the priests their allowances again. He had put things in place so that long after his death, the house of the Lord be maintained. And now he's saying, God, why are all these things coming upon me? And it says he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Look at verse 4. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court. He's walking out of the, he's walking out of the palace. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father. Thank God for his identity. For who's truly children we are. I'm glad that when God talked to me, he, he looks at me and says, He says, James, my son paid for your sins. You're my child. Because of what Jesus did, I can have mercy. I can have grace. It's not because of what your daddy did, the alcoholic, which I still love dearly and respect dearly, and call them sir to the days die. It's not because of what your mother did, though I loved her, and, and like most people, your mom's general saint. I loved her, but her love could not bring my salvation. My salvation came because I accepted the Lord Jesus, June 6, 1976, asking to come to my heart. He came in. Hezekiah, it's not because of your tears, but Hezekiah, I want you to understand something. I am listening. How many of y'all know God's listening? Yes. Even when you don't see it, he's working. He's never stopped. He never stops working. You don't have to know it, but God is always working. Laying flat on your back. Paralyzed with a needle in your back so you can't move 11 hours. God, you're still working. You're still working. 
When a baby is born with a large head and ass that cross, God is still working. He never stops. So Hezekiah's like, what's happening, God? And God says to Hezekiah, I have heard, verse 5, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. And surely I will heal you. That's all you need to hear from God. Surely I will heal you. I heard that from God so clear a couple of times, but one specific time. He said I had a stroke in July. And I was in the hospital for 12 days and I couldn't get out. They threatened to chain me to my bed because I felt good. I, I didn't feel like I had a stroke. And they did, the, they did the thing on my brain and they couldn't find anything but a shadow of what was there before when they did the first original uh, CT scan. They did that in, in, in uh, July after I got back. In September, I was in the hospital in September being treated for something that happened in July. And I was going, I feel fine. I stand on one foot and had all that stuff going. No, 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 no. We're going to keep you here, put you on a heart monitor for 10 days. I, can I go home with a heart monitor? No, you're staying here. You came to visit me. I'm there for 10 days. And nothing wrong with me. I'm ready to go. I'm telling my wife all the time, I'm saying, you say you love me, but you ain't down here with me. I'm down here by myself. You know, I was, I was mad. I mad everybody. I mad. The guy says, I'll let you out. But we got to put a two. A camera down your throat. He showed me this camera. It, 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 it wasn't no sneakers bar. It was bigger than a sneaker bar. You know that. My brother out there know it. It was huge. We got to put this thing on a tube and we're going to stick it down your throat and you got to be weak because if you don't swallow it, it won't go through the bins. First I'm going to like, it ain't no way this camera's going to get inside of me. No way. But it did. Thank you, Jesus. And God gave me a scripture. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, you believe in me. He told me, he says, I'm going to tell you something. What's about to happen to you, I'm going to heal you. And I said, Lord, I need this scripture. He gave me the scriptures. When that camera's going down, I'm quoting that scripture. When I'm coughing and throwing up, I'm quoting that scripture. When it got down and start touching the top of my belly, I knew it was okay then. I knew it was okay then. And they thought bringing it back up. And I watched my heart stop beating twice. My heart stopped beating for like 15 seconds, 20 seconds. The guy said, hold your breath. And my heart just stopped beating. And I said, how can I still be alive? My heart not beating. It was amazing. It was amazing. The pain was amazing too. But anyway, God does amazing things for his people. Things you can't even imagine that God can do. And he does. And when I came out of that operation, I heard the doctor saying, there's nothing wrong with your brain. There's nothing wrong with your heart. There's nothing wrong with your vascular system because they were doing all kinds of massages on my legs. You know, checking out my, my thrombosis. They were doing the thrombosis test at the same time. When that doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. You pass all the tests. I'm giving God the praise. Amen. I'm giving God the praise. Amen. Here's Hezekiah. I've heard you. And he says, then I will hear you. On the third day, you shall go to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. Everybody see that? I will add to your days 15 years. 
I will deliver you in this city from the hands of the kings of the Assyrians. So stop bragging. Stop bragging about how they did, how they done your, your brethren. I'm going to deliver you. And I will defend this city for my name's sake and for the sake of my servant David. Verse 7. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So he took and laid it upon the boils, and he recovered. Thank you, Jesus. And Isaiah said, and Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? Then Isaiah said, This is the sign to you for the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing which he's spoken. Shall he shall the shadow go forward ten degrees or backward ten degrees? Now, for those who understand something, they didn't have cell phones and digital watches and all that. They had these big old stones set up, and they watched the shadow, that the shadow would go around these stones. Perhaps they even had 12 stones to mark, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I don't know. But, but uh, Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, had built a huge one, a huge one right outside the, 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 the temple grounds and uh, so the people could see. And he had one built, apparently, in the palace where he could just go and check himself. And so he says, well, I'm looking at the clock over there. Uh, it's an easy thing to make it go forward because the sun naturally going to go forward. He says, tell God for me, I want to see the clock go back 10 degrees. And so it says in the Bible, the last scripture I'm going to read, it says, in verse 10, Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadows to go down 10 degrees, but let the shower go backward 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shower 10 degrees backwards by which he had gone down on the sandal of Ahaz. Now, let, let me remind you guys again of, of, of just a little bit of the history. Up until David, things were fine. And then Solomon got in there and things kind of went crazy because Solomon had a lot of wives and a lot of concubines and he had a lot of sons. And one of Solomon's sons who took over from Solomon was going to make his little finger stronger than his father's arm, which called a rift in the kingdom. So generations are affected by our decisions. And after 15 ungodly kings and rifts, the Syrians took over 722. It would be 509 before the Babylonians come to attack Judah. 509. And they wouldn't just do it right away. They first thought taking off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all remember the stories? People in the Bible. Then they came back in the middle, 530 something. And they got Ezekiel the prophet. And the glory of the Lord left the temple. Isaiah was, I'm sorry, Ezekiel was watching the temple when the glory of the Lord left and he looked out the window there's a valley full of dead bones out there. And the Lord said, shall these bones live again? Y'all remember the story? That was in the middle of the Babylonian. And then Hezekiah's son Manasseh was bad and his son was bad and it got all the way down to it got to the last king of Israel and I give his name. The last king of Israel name was Josiah, son of Manasseh. Josiah made a deal. Promise me you won't abuse me. Hello. Don't make me one of those vessels or eunuchs. And I will renounce my allegiance to Egypt because he thought Egypt might save him, but he didn't. And he did. And so he was taken off into captivity. 
586, the southern kingdom fell. Hezekiah, with all his praying and Hezekiah, with all his worship, did not change the future. I should understand this. But it did for Hezekiah. It did for Hezekiah's house. One of the things that you can say about the Bible in the book of Joshua, Joshua asked for me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. Do you know it says as long as Joshua was alive, the people did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And as long as the men that served with Joshua was alive, the people did what was right. It does matter what you do. So my piano can get ready to play here. I'm not finished yet, but I'm getting ready to come to the end and give y'all some points so that you can remember. God says to all of us, Hebrews 9, 27, after death comes the judgment. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing. Sooner or later, you need to realize good times don't last forever. Sooner or later, you need to realize, like sitting there with those pastors, I've been here for 40 years. Some pastors have been there for 30. Some have been there for, for 10 or 15. He knows. And one guy had just got here for the last two months. And all of us sitting there with cancer, looking at each other with our gray hair, saying, you know what? It's been a good run. I remember when I was in high school reading, reading Maslow's theory of acclimatization. Maslow, you know the psychiatrist, how you get about 40 years old, 45, you need to actualize. So anybody here that's, you know, you're 40 years old and you're not doing your dream, something wrong with you. You too, you behind on your dream, you're probably behind on your bills, and you probably would never catch up. I tell my son and my daughter, I tell all the young kids in this school, work hard, study hard while you're young, do all you can while you're young, and run as fast as you can, because there will come a day when you cannot run. Watch this. By 40 years old, be a millionaire. I tell them all that. What? Be a millionaire. Don't settle for commonplace. 85, 95% of people you know going to settle for commonplace. And when they die, all they're going to have, it'd be like that Aladdin movie. All the things going to miss you is your fleas. When you die, your fleas will miss you. That's what most people live like. Because they never make the decision. God's giving you a brain. And man is the only thing that God created that don't choose to live to its full potential. Everything that choose to live to full potential. We choose to stop. I would never stop, people. I would never stop. I'm just starting to do what God told me to do. That's from land in South Carolina. You put our heritage USA. I've been sitting there for 30 years. One day I can build a city of Zion on that land. 65 acres are still there to the day. The big barn was brought out by a Christian ministry. The Japanese bought the rest of the facilities, made a golf course, and went out of business. Jerry Falwell bought it, put a theme park up, closed it down in a year. But the land is still sitting there. Will I get it? I don't know. But I can tell you what, $65 million ain't nothing to my God. It's like dust on a battle scale. We limit ourselves. God don't limit us. Why you do such crazy things to do what you do? See, when I got sick, I had my confession. When I got sick, I had been going to prayer. My son know this, my wife know this. Since 1990, since 1990, 
I would get up at 4.45 and come out of prayer at 5 o'clock from Tuesday to Friday. I used to walk from Okinawa City to this church. Walk every morning. Walk back and still be back home by 6.15. I had so much discipline in my life that when the devil said, you're going to die, I said, no, I'm not. Your body's not going to move. I said, yes, it is. You can't get here. I said, yes, I will. When the doctor says, you got this and this and this, and it metastasized, and we can't do nothing. I said, my God, can in Jesus' name. When he kept telling me symptoms, I said, don't tell me the symptoms anymore. I remember coming here telling you guys that for two years, and I never missed a Sunday for two years. Until I fell off that bench, and he told me I was so septic. That if I hadn't got knocked out for four days with this septic, they were going to give me a spinal tap and, and, and what, knock me out, put me out, take my brain down. They were going to take my brain down for a week so nobody could heal. You come to with a fitted tool in your nose and you come to with a bunch of green foul on the floor. And I look up and I finally recognize my wife, which I hadn't recognized for four days. And she told me that we were in isolation. And I said this. Nehemiah, last chapter of the book of Nehemiah, five times in the last chapter, it says, Remember me, O God! Nehemiah comes back to a city that he had completely reformed, and the people had went crazy again, thought in the man and stuff. He kicked it out of the he grabbed the man by his beard, and he said, Remember me, O Lord! did it five times. Let me give you the verses so you can look at it yourself. Nehemiah chapter 13 verse 22 after he commanded the Levites to cleanse the temple, he says remember me, O God. Verse 29 he says remember me, O God because they had defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priests and he had told them to restore it. Verse 22 chapter 13 verse 22 remember me, O God concerning what I have done to spare not according to thy greatness and thy mercy. Verse 29 again, he says, Remember me, O God, for thou hast defiled the priesthood of the Verse 31 says, Verse 31, the fifth one, it says, In uh, the wood offering at the time appointed and the first fruits, remember me, O God. When they told me what I was going through, I cried out, Remember me, O God. Remember the prayers. Remember the Bible studies. Remember the preaching. Remember the messages. I have video messages going back to 2002. <clears throat> I have all my videotapes going back to 2005. I said, remember me, oh God. And I wept bitterly. I approached a lot of you and said, when they tell you you're going to die, and you say, they said, look, you go like, God, Joseph, Mary, anybody else, Bill Clinton, whoever, you call on everybody. You just want to be saved. And I said, Lord, remember me, but God, heal me. And as the tears came, it gets to the place where in, in October, when I was being up in October, please hear this, and I'm about to wrap the thing up. Y'all remember Samson and all his glory? And you know how Samson messed up with Delilah? And the Bible says Samson cleaned himself. 
And Samson said, remember me, oh God, one more time. Read it. I ain't going to read the whole chapter. If I did, it take me too long. But Samson said in Judges chapter 16, after he realized he was going to die in prison, pushing the wheel, he said, remember me, oh God, one more time. And give me the strength to let me die with my people in the Philistines. I was at a point in October, and I told my wife this, I told my son this. It didn't matter. I said, God, if I have done all you want me to do, take me. That was such a peace. That was such a peace that entered my heart. That was such a peace that entered my life. That was a peace. Hezekiah had cried and weeped bitterly. I believe God gave him peace. And God says, I've heard you and I've remembered and I'm going to heal you. Would that ever happen to you? Probably. It happened to Jesus. He's in the garden of Gethsemane saying, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup for me. Then he remembered, for this reason, I was born. Maximum impact can only take place if, one, you remember who you are. Maximum impact will not take place in your life until you realize you belong to Jesus, that you were born with a price and you owe him. And you remember all he has done for you. Because I defy anybody here to tell me that God has not been good to you. I can tell by looking at you what you have on. The way your hair is all fixed up. The jewelry that you have. The kids that sit with you. The ones that call your mama. I can tell by the people how they respect you when they walk past you in church. God's been good to you. I look at the gray hair on grandmother back there. Give God some praise. And I can tell God been good to her. I can watch her daughter play the flute. And she's so proud to be able to play in front of her mother. I look at a baby that has babies, Mr. Rua back there. And my heart just leaps. Because I remember her. When she was a little girl. If you want a maximum impact this year, you got to start living intentionally. Pray for direction. Direction don't just come. You have to ask for it. I preached a message called The Basics. How to get anything you want from God. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 9 says, Ask and it shall be given. The first thing you have to do is ask. Because everyone that asks, everyone that asks, the Bible says, shall we see. So you don't have nothing. 
nothing. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 4, it's because you didn't ask nothing. Ask. It's a basic thing. I'm poor. You're poor because you're ignorant. You don't know how to ask. God says, I'll make you rich and I'll add no sorrow to it. It's in the Bible. In the 10th chapter of the book of Proverbs, verse 22. I will make you rich. You don't even have to worry about it. Won't no suffering, won't no pain, won't no residual problems come to you. I will make you rich and add no problems to it. How come nobody ever told you that? Why are you begging God for five dollars? Instead of asking for five, I said to make you a millionaire. That I sink in later. Number three. Number three. Get ready to fight. Get ready to fight. Do you know this is next year's book? Do you know that if you're determined and fully persuaded, we talked to the men yesterday, if you are fully persuaded, something called the Tumult Theorem, you will have what it is that you believe you will have, you can do what it is that you believe you can do is all up here. James Allen, 1853, wrote a book called So a Man Thinking for See James Allen, A-L-A-E-N. Read it. What a man think about and concentrate on and determine to accomplish. He will accomplish it. No matter what it is, a bulldozer that goes through a mountain. I concentrate on it. I'm going to build a bulldozer that goes through that mountain. I need an airplane to fly. The Wright brothers were riding bicycles and concentrated on it, and they got an airplane. The Chinese were being attacked by the Mongs, and they couldn't defend themselves with swords. And some kids was messing around and put some gunpowder together, and it began. The revolution has changed the world. Even the space race is based on a Chinese discovered gunpowder. Mr. Peanut, George Washington Carver, sword beans and cotton is rotten. We got these peanuts, what we can do with them? Over a thousand different uses of a peanut from a black college professor that didn't even know how to grow peanuts, but he put his mind to work. What is your excuse? What is your excuse? What is your excuse? This is going to be your maximum mission in your life. Start believing God. Start believing God. Be willing to fight. And my final point, which we see at the end, Hezekiah says, I want to know I'm going to be able, I ain't going to read this, I got time, I got time. Hezekiah says, I want to know I'm going to be able to go back into the house of the Lord and worship on the third day. He put God to the test. Turn the sundial back to the Sunday after Sunday, I put God to the test. They give me a shot on Friday. They check my blood, make sure I'm not having meningitis and everything on Saturday. Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. They ask me at 8 o'clock, you want to go home, son? I'm out of here. I'm out of here. My wife come, I'm waiting. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You got to put God to the test. Come in with a thing on. Listen, I got the thing. I got three of them in my car. I got it all over the place. This is not going to save my life. I want you to understand that. What's going to 
will save my life is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who's the living God forever. That's who's going to save my life. That's who's going to keep me going. This little piece of paper is not going to help you. I will never put my faith in this piece of paper. I'll wear it for you so that you won't get sick around me or something. But I could care less about this piece of paper. Stand to your feet. It's going to be good in here in Jesus' name. Somebody give God some praise. Maximum impact. This year, I want you to set your house in order. I want you to set your house in order. I want you to go home today and start setting your house in order. If you don't have term life insurance, son, get you some term life insurance. Come on, you young, get some term life insurance. Get your savings program. Get your little money set aside from your paycheck. Live below your means today so that you can live above your means tomorrow. And learn discipline. What discipline? Saturday morning, 8 o'clock for 8 to 9, come and pray. I don't want to get out of bed. It's called discipline. Learn some discipline. Wednesday nights, we have Bible study. That's where you find out what's in the Word. Come out on Wednesday night. It's better than sitting there watching that TV Thursday night football game or that Sunday evening football game. That won't change your life. But the Word of God is quick and powerful. Sharpening and two your sword. And it is divide you asunder. Joints from all intents of the heart and the thoughts. It will change you. Wednesday night Bible study. Fridays, ladies' meetings in Jesus' name. Saturday, men's meeting. Those are things you need to be concerned about and making sure you're there. And come to church on Sunday morning. Be here by 10:30. Even though I was late today, it'll rain. Be here by 10:30. So get into praise and worship. Amen. Let me support one another. Look at your sister, your brother to your left and your right. They need you. They need you. We have big men out here, 200 pounds and more, crying crocodile tears because they realize they need each other. They're looking for their brothers to come on their sides and lift them up and hold them up. You and I need to hold them accountable. We need each other in Jesus' name. Father Samuel and Samson found out his physical strength was enough because our enemies are not flesh and blood. We have enemies that are principalities and powers and ruling demons in high places. And even now, Lord, I'm shaking because I sense there's people standing here who are fighting demons right now. Oh, it's not your wife, it's not your no, no, no. You're fighting demons right now. You have a real demon assigned to your life and every chance he can, he's trying to destroy you. And you used to pray more than you pray now. You used to do more than you do now. You used to worship more than you do now. You got blinded by the light of all this high tech, new equipment. You got blinded by all this disposable fellowship and instant gratification. Listen to me, God wants you to remember Hebrews 9, 27. There's only one life and it soon will pass. And only what's done for Christ will last. That's not what the verse said. The verse says the woman man went to die and after death the judgment. But that's a summary of it. You got one life. Don't waste it. 
only what Christ and you do for Christ will last. Father, help us to be right on the spot. As the prophet Isaiah came and said to King Hezekiah, a righteous king, the most like David of any king in terms of righteousness in the Bible, gold and silver and servants and everything just like David and a heart for you you allowed sickness on him that he might be humbled but as soon as the sickness left his body he returned to the house of the Lord and worshipped I've seen altars full of people saying Lord do this for me, do that for me, do this for me and as soon as the Lord heals you you go right back to the wallow that you came from you go right back to the pit that you came out of you're supposed to return to the house of the Lord and worship, amen next time you come to this offering you say God deliver me, return return, return to the house of the Lord and worship That's how you make memories. That's how you make memories. That's how you make memories. Oh, how you walk with me. Oh, how you come for me. And oh, how you take me. Yes, you do, God. I am Open the altar for prayer for me. Brother, will you come with me here? Amen. Sister Faith, come with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a holy conviction will come upon your people. Those who need to set their houses in order will come and be prayed for. And you know who you are. I'm not going to beg you. But if you need to set your house in order, we're going to take a couple minutes here and just let you come. And the Bible says, call for the elders of the church. This is in the Bible, in the book of James. If you committed any sin, the Bible says that the laying in the hands of the elders will forgive you of those sins and God will heal you. So whatever you need to bring to God, bring it now, come now. And if you need to be saved and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come to my heart, come now, come now. We're going to take a moment and you come and we'll pray for you. We'll believe God in Jesus' name. And I still believe if I lay my hands on you, God's going to bless you in the name of Jesus. No devil in hell going to keep the blessing of God out of your life. No blessing is going to be withheld from you. Because God is more than able in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You need prayer, come now. You come now. Come on, give you 30 seconds to come. 30 seconds. And oh, how he walks with me. what he tells me that I am his own come on people come on he knows my 
Those of you who are building your seats, just lift your hand toward Jesus at the altar. Lift your hand toward him as we get ready to pray for them. And believe God with us that he will remove everything that will hinder them in Jesus' name. You're already more than conquerors. You're already mighty warriors with God. You're already walking in faith. You're already doing the thing that it is God wants you to do. Like Hezekiah, you've been hit. You've been hit. The devil knew. So what the devil did, he was waiting. You got to learn that Joshua said, the counterpunch. You've been hit. But you're not down. You're not out in Jesus' name. You are not knocked out. So get up again in Jesus' name. And everybody we touch in the name of Jesus, everybody we pray for, shall be healed in Jesus' name. Everybody that we lay hands upon in the name of Jesus shall receive the anointing to walk out of this place in victory. And it may not look like it right now, but you're more than a conqueror through Christ that loves you. And your love for God will move mountains in the name of Jesus. Your love for God will move mountains. It will take things that are not and bring them into being in the name of Jesus. And don't you ever forget who you are. Who you are, you were knocked down, but remember who you are in Jesus' name. If he couldn't kill you then, he can't kill you now. In Jesus' name, you're wiser, you're stronger, you're stronger and wiser than you've ever been. You're more sure of who you are than you've ever been in Jesus' name. And the devil knows that, but you've been knocked down, but you're not out in Jesus' name. Continue to stand, continue to rise, continue to move forward in the name of Jesus. Victory is right around the corner. It's coming. This is a year of maximum good time in your life. And something good is about to happen in the name of Jesus. Don't worry about being knocked down. Everybody get knocked down. Everybody get hit. Everybody get hit. Everybody get hit. But it's when you're on your knees and you realize I can't do it by myself. It's when you're going to the last ounce of your strength and you say, Lord, I surrender. I see it. I won't be here always for her. I won't be here always for her. Remember who you are. Remember what your dad said in the hospital when he was baptized on dry ground. I just want to see Jesus. He left you, but he's still here. You gotta let her go. You gotta let her fly. Remember who you are. Everything she needs is in her. In Jesus' name, she's coming out. She's coming out. In the name of Jesus, she's coming out. Somebody give God some praise.
Somebody give God some praise. We're getting ready to get out of here. Yeah. Thank you for staying with us as long as you did. We're a little over today. Tell somebody you love them. Next Wednesday night, be here. During the month of March, we must be starting a financial peace seminar. And several people have been asking us about financial peace and getting your financial health together. It'll be a Sunday night, right? Maybe the first week of March, I'm going to contact the people. I'm one of the uh, teachers and director of uh, financial peace, Dave Ramsey. And we may start another class up in March. We just condense phases. We'll do it all. We'll do it eight weeks in four. We're going to do that on Sunday night. So if you're interested, let me know. Let me know. Get your financial house in order. You don't have a lot of time. Tell somebody you love them. Go home. Yeah. Thank you, my baby. Always. God is good.